In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash, and you are listening to Ideal Remake. Thank you for listening to Ideal Remake. We take movies that either have been, will be, or should be remade and talk about what the ideal version of that remake would be. Today, we're training ourselves in all forms of martial arts so our bodies can be classified as lethal weapons. And my guest today, who has grown too ancient for this defecation, is Trevor Reese. Trevor, is Lethal Weapon a movie that has been, will be, or should be remade? I mean, technically it's been remade. Yeah. That's this, the, the saga that was the Fox TV show. Isn't it still going? No, it, it ended. Th- this year? Yeah, I think at some point early, uh, like in the season or anything. I should be able to verify that. <laughs> well, yeah, I have Lethal Weapon up actually right now. Yeah, it ended in two th- it ended this year. So yeah, I think it ended at the end of like in May. I think so. Yeah, three seasons. Yeah, and two different Murtaugh or not Murtaugh Riggs. Riggs. Well, one Riggs. Sean William Scott was not a Riggs. I looked that up. He was a. He was just some random guy. Yeah, random guy. <laughs> he was Wesley Cole. Wesley Cole. Do you think that? I mean, that's that's technically a remake. That is a that is a has been remade. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> so, <laughs> you you grew up liking this movie. Like, this is a movie that you grew up. With? I no. The first Lethal Weapon I saw was four. Why? Because Lethal Weapon four came out like. When I was a kid, I mean, I, so this came out in 87, I was born in 86. So I didn't like, uh, I didn't really get to kind of grow up with a lot of those like 80s action stuff um, because I didn't have any uh, older brothers. My dad famously does not watch movies again. He just like, like he one, he, it once, he's, he's one, one and done. done, one and done. And so a lot, of the, a lot of these movies, I had to wait till I got older. But since Lethal Weapon 4 came out when I was like of age, family wanted to see it. Um, yeah, when that come out? 98, so I would have been around like 11 or 12, um, and so I got to see it in the theater. Um, it's pretty fun. Yeah, and it's such a totally different, like it is night and day. Well, not necessarily night and day. Is but- it like Fast and the Furious different, like how those movies have changed? No. No, it, it's like, um, it's goes from like an actual like kind of 80s, like a diehardy kind of like that kind of 80s action thing into like a rush hour. Like oh, that, it, it like the tone of like it is more like rush comedy? out. Yeah, it's way more buddy comedy in four. And um, because my understanding is that the first one's a Shane Black movie, then they did a sequel, then the third one's also a Shane Black movie, and then they did a fourth one. Yeah, the fourth Richard Donner's through it through all, so he's directing and producing. But Shane Black, yeah. And how many cuts of each movie did he do? I don't know. Right. <laughs> that is a question I did not research. But yeah, I found like a Richard Donner cut too. But it's also like I mean, he is. Like, I mean, you go from Riggs having a hollow point bullet, bullet carries around with carries him. it around. Which that I, was dark. Yeah. Oh, man. it's just, it, it, This movie goes there. Yeah. Like that, the thing about the 80s is they went dark. Their actions. And then 98, he's, it's like hijinks with Rene Russo. Like, they're about to have a kid. They're thinking about getting married. So he's like totally removed from who the character he is at the beginning of, of Lethal Weapon. Do they just ignore the fact that he's a widower for, I assume, the rest of the franchise? Um, well, Rene Russo comes in on three. Mm-hmm. I don't, yeah, I don't, re- I, I, two's the one I really don't remember. But yeah, three is... Two lethal, two weapon? 
<laughs> you know, three is Rene Russo comes in on that one. I think that's the first time he like gets a love interest. Got it. And then, yeah, I, I think if they make any reference of it, it's in passing. It's in passing to his ex-wife. Well, I mean, that it's not... Eh, I don't necessarily... But it's like you that. got Chris Rock's in that movie. What? Chris Rock's in it. You got uh, Joe Pesci in his... This is his third Lethal Weapon, because I think he, he first shows up in two. There's I, there's so much I don't know about the Lethal <laughs> Weapon franchise. It's, it's really a crazy series. This isn't the first time I saw this movie, but I definitely saw Lethal Weapon, the first one, for the first time within the past three, four years. Okay. Maximum. Because I've mentioned this before, but, like, I have friends, because I grew up not seeing a lot of movies, so I have friends who are, like, doing movie nights of movies Sam hasn't seen, and mm. Lethal Weapon was on that list. So. It's a good one. It's, you know what's funny? Just because, um, I don't know if you'll edit this out or not, if you want to break, we'll the, break the illusion of it, but we're eh. recording this just before Christmas. Right, which is why we're recording this just before Christmas. Excellent. I was going to wonder, because everyone, everyone's always about... Diards are Christmas movie. Diards are Christmas movie. Don't tell me it's not. And Lethal Weapon is way more a Christmas movie. Like, here's the interesting thing. So I do like a Shane Blackmas episode. So the first year I was doing the podcast, we did uh, Long Kiss Goodnight. Okay. Which I unabashedly love because it's <laughs> dumb and '80s and super fun. And then uh, last year was Monster Squad, which is not a Christmas movie, but it's a Shane Black movie. And so sitting down to watch Lethal Weapon, I was like, I, don't, I know it's an action movie, I don't, but it's in Los Angeles. Is it a Christmas movie? And then it opens with Jingle Bell Rock. Yeah. And I was like, okay, Christmas movie. And, and, uh, and you're introduced to Riggs at a Christmas tree lot. Yep. Like he's making that Coke deal at a Christmas tree lot. It's great. Yeah. This one, like, so, like, Die Hard, it's just, it's an office party in Nakatomi uh, Plaza yeah. or Tower. It's um, an office party at the Fox lot. Yeah, and this is like lives in Christmas. People yes. are saying Merry Christmas to each other all the over the whole place. Time. Yeah. And it's just like, well, I don't understand. Maybe it is just more accepted as a Christmas movie, but it's just like, I don't understand why people aren't. I just don't think people talk about Die Hard more than they talk about Lethal Weapon just in general, because I think if you're comparing the two, Die Hard's probably the better movie. And, and God forbid I'm going to eventually have to do that <laughs> episode. Well, when did they come out? Lethal Weapon is 87. Then this is the same year. This kind of is the... Die Hard came out the year after. So everyone talks about, oh, it's Die Hard in space, it's Die Hard in an elevator or whatever. Mm -hmm. Die Hard is literally Lethal Weapon at an office party. Yeah. It's... Sort of. It's Lethal Weapon if the cop... If both cops were Bruce Willis. Basically. Because he's he's crazy like Riggs, but just like over um, over this stuff like Murtaugh. Well, Riggs starts crazy, Murtaugh gets pushed to crazy. Yes. Which is kind of fun to watch. Like, I'm right on board for just about everything in this movie, basically right up until the end, (laughs) when they're like, all right, we're standing in a circle, you want to punch it out? Sure. Yeah. For no reason. This is super dangerous. This guy, that's not true. It lost me when they know the this guy's coming and they just set up two cops and they're just sitting there and I'm like, okay, so did you just send these two dudes to die? Because he goes inside, it's like, no one's home but us cops. You knew he was coming. They knew what he looked like. They should not be dead. They should have been prepared for that. Yeah. Oh, there you are. You're under arrest. No. <laughs> then he could have killed them. Yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> 
just just murdering people left and right. Yeah. Just Man. just Gary Busing it up. This this is peak Busey. Oh. This yeah. is this is like prime cut Busey. Cause he got into a car accident or something. Like people t- like like oh Gary Busey, he did too many drugs, but no, like he actually like something happened to him. Mm. And uh I'm not up on my Gary Busey. I'm not lore. either and I feel bad. Uh, <laughs> but he's great, and in this movie he's phenomenal and legit scary. Yeah, this is like this what's so this like is such a foundational movie for kind of the three people involved. Like it really sets the tone of where they're gonna be for like the next like fifteen years. Like to Fair. Because uh, it's like this is this is what really establishes Mel Gibson as like the leading man he would become. Right. Gives Danny Glover his acting shtick that he's going to stick to, like the old curmudgeon <laughs> who's really soft at heart. Just time has, which is why I'm so excited to see him in the new Jumanji movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll see how crusty he is in yep. that, only to be warmed up by the end of it. Yeah, and then Gary Busey just gets crazier and crazier as time goes on, and it really kind of. I feel it would it like really starts here. Yeah. Um that's true. I didn't think about that. I mean, to be fair, this movie came out a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really want to do the math. Uh 32 years ago. 32 years ago, yeah. I was born in 88, so my age plus 1. Yeah, there you it's go. Easy math. But it's and also like Shane Black. Cuz yeah. it's funny you're talking about that like Shane Black writes a lot of Christmas movies. That well that's his thing. Like people have asked him about it. He's like I went he was interviewed at the writers uh, for the writers panel podcast mm. and they had the interview at meltdown in that back room at meltdown yeah so i went to that and ben blacker said you do a lot of christmas movies why is that and shane black said if you already have established of oh it's christmas everything's wonderful then you can get away with worse things mm. because the christmas season kind of like elevates it a little bit and like kind of wipes it away interesting so you can get away so because you already have this baseline it's nice you can do its worse. Well, it, 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 I think, yeah, that's interesting because, yeah, I think everyone assumes the best you are any at the, any time of year is around this time. That's true. Like, yeah. this is, like, generally society is, like, at its best mm-hmm. in the in the Christmas season. Yeah, the first season. time we're getting a full night's sleep. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't considered that. Like, it really does, yeah, because a lot of this stuff is, does go dark and does go there. Yeah. But you don't really necessarily think about it. That's really interesting. That's that's a smart way of uh, thinking about it. I'm trying to remember. I'm assuming the nice guys was also set at Christmas. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. And I, the only, like the two that I think weren't are Monster Squad and I assume the Predator movie was not. Not that I recall. I didn't. I've never seen a Predator movie, so I felt like if I'm going to start with one, I should probably start with the first one. That you're starting. I mean, well, no, you got to go the first two because it's Danny Glover. He's oh, is it really? Danny Glover's in, in Predator too. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. I should do that. Yeah, yeah. He's and he he like he looks younger then, and that came out in like ninety two. Um, because he doesn't have the mustache. It's it's like he looks the the way he does. Yeah, Nineteen ninety. Um, this is like the transition into his look when he's like in like uh, Angels in the Outfield. Got it. Like that's the softer Danny Glover. I haven't seen that movie in twenty five years. <laughs> but you gotta see you gotta see Predator and uh, Predator and Predator two, and then just forget about it. it and is- I say that as a fan. Of the Predator series. Yeah. Like, I love it. And Shane Black's in Predator. That's why he... Right. That's, um... That's why it's funny. Yeah. And I, I... So, the interview I saw with him was before Predator came out, and while I was still writing, he was like, well, I was in the original Predator, so it kind of works. Yeah. That, like, whatever his character name was would come back. 
or whatever because i think he's brutally murdered oh yeah 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 he's pretty he's murdered in front of the i think he might be the first time we really get an understanding of what the predator is i think he's the first kind of kill that really messes up everyone great yeah amazing (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a really just, like, he gets, like, hit, and it's, like, in front of the... There's, like, a... They rescue a, um... There's in, like, Cambodia or something like that. Okay. Because the predator hunts in the jungle. And they... He's, in, he's like, they have this uh, young woman that they, like, found, and she's, like, seen the predator. She's like, no, 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 no. Like, she's, <laughs> she saw the massacre that happened before them. And then I think, yes, yeah, Shane Black's murdered, like, right in front of her. Very interesting. Intense. Yeah, 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 yeah. 80s, man. The 80s, yeah. like... That's this movie. Like the eighties op- were just constantly at eleven. Yeah, it opens with a topless woman doing lines and then throwing herself off like a fifteen-story. Good segue back. Uh, no, but yeah, I know it's crazy, right? Like it, that, I was like, oh, well, yep, yeah, watching an watching an eighties movie, and then they literally at the police station later have a conversation about. How much of an 80s guy they are. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow. <laughs> this is so dated. Yeah, because it's like the start of like... It's, it's like just at the tip before we go into the like the, the men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Yeah. Allie McBeal sort of relationships like look at stuff. Like people start like, you gotta be sensitive. You gotta speak your feelings. Like it's just at the cusp when everyone's talking about that. Yeah, because we're still at the, you gotta be tough. Yeah. Can't, can't have emotions. Which is interesting because Riggs has too many emotions. Yeah. That's his problem. He's unhinged. He's not... He's two 80s. Yeah. With his mullet. One, that's what makes... And again, like, I didn't watch the show. The show... I don't want, I don't even care. Like, I lo- Damon Wayans, good call. Yeah. Damon Wayans, Caston Murtaugh, good call. But, like, it'd be really interesting to see how you handle, like, in today's culture... Like, with everyone, just the sensitivity of it. Like, how do you handle a character like Riggs, who is just so outwardly toxic? Mm-hmm. And just, like, how do you... Like, I mean, suicide is, a very, like, a hot-button thing, and it's, yeah. it's a much more nuanced conversation nowadays. So, is that an important aspect of who Riggs is at the beginning of the movie? Does Riggs really need to be just this side of suicidal? I think think so okay i he just i don't disagree i'm just asking yeah no he i think with within this movie the crux of his character is that he has a death wish yeah okay. he he has that's what he has to conquer mm-hmm. is his death wish and his desire to die because of the loss of his wife like that really is his character arc is fine he he mentions it in the the whole monologue after he jumps out the building where he says um the only reason i uh i do this the only reason i don't uh shoot myself is because of the job Mm-hmm. And his arc is to find another reason yeah. other than the job because the job's eventually going to fail. Then he has nothing to live for. Right. And so, yeah, no, I don't. I, but I also don't think he needs to be walking around carrying that hollow point bullet. It's a really good metaphor. Yeah, it is. And a there's re- also a lot of other things that can be carried around. Like a hollow point bullet is brutal. What's well, funny and is. And also because he then hands it to the daughter at the end of the movie. Yeah. He's like, here, kid, have a bullet. Well, and what's funny is I just watched The Departed, mm-hmm. and I bring that up only because in like the opening scene where Matt Damon and Leo are training, they discuss uh, like a hollow point bullet, like they discuss it going through like a brain, and so it's just sort of interesting to have that knowledge and that description from that movie carry into this. And he's like, <laughs> "I got a hollow point bullet." I was like, "I know what's going to happen to you if you do that." It's 
total wreckage. Leave nothing yeah. behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is. It's the bullet that blows out your the back of your skull. Yeah, um, that's the. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, I was gonna make a reference, but I'm like, no, nope, that's probably not good. <laughs> but it is like, like the the way they talk about him too. Like that conversation Murtaugh has just right after that scene. Well, where- it's like, uh, is is he going for psycho pay or is he actually psycho? Which neither is good. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think, I, I think they would walk back the accusations of, I think people would believe him more. I, I think, think the, so. the environment would believe him more that they would try and get him help. I think that's what would be different is people wouldn't be shutting him down. The, I, yeah, I think that this could be. This is his last opportunity to do a case before he has to go to like a rehab facility. Yeah. And if you're in the rehab facility, you do not have the job. Yeah. And the job is the only thing keeping him alive. Mm-hmm. So going to a rehab facility would actually kill him. And it's a. Yeah. I think the psychiatrist would be a bigger character in the remake. I think that would be much more of a thing. It's like fo- I, I, there would be much more focus on his mental health if this yeah. movie was made nowadays. I think that's true, especially because you need to be sensitive to the other people watching this. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's no... Like, this is back when, like, suicide was... Like, all, like, death... It was it treated the same as any other death in the 80s in these action of movies. Of course. Like, it was no entirely based on the stock market. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, okay. So that's kind of the, the Riggs arc. What are the other pieces of Lethal Weapon that make it Lethal Weapon? Like, what's the core essence of this movie? The core essence is the friendship. Okay. Good. It is... It's a new friendship that neither of them wanted, but turns out both of them needed. Yeah. Both of these men are incomplete. Yeah. Because, um... Arguably. Well, Murtaugh talks about how he he made it 50 years and never never rocked the boat, never did anything. And that's why he's still kind of a little... Like, he's just like a beat detective. Like, he Riggs teaches him that there are times to put it on the line. And I don't think he necessarily really did. He's just been coasting. He's just like, he just wants to be 50 years old, have the wife, have the house. I misunderstood that scene. <laughs> I read that scene. Uh, the way he said the line is, I've been on this, I'm 50 years old, or and yeah. I've had this job for 35 years, or 30 years, or whatever. And I don't have a scratch, I don't have a scar on me, because I've always managed to not be in this level of danger. Like, I don't know what that means if like I because I assume it doesn't mean he ran or anything but like he was always able to avoid being shot at yeah he hit I, I I yeah he kind of hid behind his desk okay I I would say he was a little like I mean we see that he's capable but I think up until this like he's a little bit more pencil pusher or maybe even he's just he's it's the fact that he's also gone it alone too yeah well his other partner was just killed right or died or something i don't remember i forget i'm I'm blanking on that i just remember that he gets assigned a new partner i don't think anything bad happened because he's he's kind of just pissy about it and i think if a partner just died that it would have held more thing because he's just talking to his buddy and just pissy like another partner and and uh hunsaker hunsaker the the old uh, his old friend was a was an army buddy right yeah he was a vietnam buddy yeah yeah I mean, the the fantastic benefit of making this movie again now is that, hey, we also have a constantly ongoing war. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They'd be Afghanistan, Iraq. Yeah. Just probably people from. So, all right. So both of both Riggs and Murtaugh were in the military. Mm-hmm. Which division would you put them in? I'd keep them the same place as they were. 
Yeah. Like green green berets for rigs, and then um, Murtaugh was just army ground, right? Like he, I think he was, so. yeah, he was he was just army. I think that's good. I I'd probably say now would probably be they're probably part of the Iraq War. Yeah. It was made today because they they may mention like it's late sixties or something like that that Murtaugh met Hudsucker. Something like that, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, that's 20 years in between. So, right, crazily enough, we're almost 20 years out from, like, the Iraq War. So, it'd probably be, it'd probably be that. <laughs> yeah. Um, or Kuwait or whatever, like, the, the I don't the think it Clinton needs to go stuff. back that far. I think Iraq War, Afghanistan War, things that have, that are five to ten years ago. I yeah. Totally but it needs, it needs to be far enough away that they're more cops than they were ever soldiers. And that, like, that's the only reason and I say I think Afghanistan might be the way to go. Yeah. It'd have, to, yeah, it'd have to be... 2001 was 18 years ago. Yeah. It, it would be response to 9-11, I would say. You could even have Riggs be one of the people who, as soon as the attack happened, he joined the military the next day. Yeah. Like, one of those kind of people. Mm-hmm. And then... Well, but he also has to be pretty fresh out, because... He can join the military uh, the next day, be in the military for 10 years... And still have eight years between then and now. Yeah. But it's like Mel Gibson was, at the time of filming, he was born in 56. So he was just 31. Yeah, 30, 31 when it came out. So he's filming his 30. Mel Gibson was my age. (laughs) Great. Again, why... Also looked 15 years older than I looked, but that's irrelevant. Everyone looked 15 years older than they did. the 80s. The 80s 80s and 90s, everyone looked older. (laughs) Everyone looked way older than they do now. But uh, yeah, and so, but then Murtaugh could have been someone who was already in the military when 2001 happened, and then he got shipped out. Yeah, like he thought, all right, I'll join, like joining the military for the like the college thing. Yeah, and then ended up getting shipped out and actually having to be in a war. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, that you, you keep the Huds uh, sucker relationship. Yeah, because um, I, I I think that was important because there are different people who handle yeah. military service differently and. People who acclimate back to society differently, and I, I think that's important, and mm-hmm. it's something that isn't really talked about that much. Well, and that's b- why they both became cops, right? They obviously didn't want to be overseas, or the the war ended and their service was done, and so they just what I like this line of work, so that's why they stick with I it. I meant those two and Hunsock, Hunsacker, yeah, 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 yeah. Hunsucker. I can do this because <laughs> even that whole that whole ring of criminals with the general. Yeah. Were former military people who mm-hmm. just like get back and aren't able to be done or they, hey, heroin's a good way to make money. Yeah. Oh, I mean, and that's. It still is. Have to, it would definitely Afghanistan because that's the the world's leader in heroin production. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. cool, cool, cool. <laughs> All right. Afghanistan it is. But yeah, no, it's definitely, I, I forget where I learned that, but I've learned that fairly recently. Makes sense to me. But yeah, no, it definitely, like, yeah, the, um. Unfortunately, the world kind of has sort of reverted to yeah. a lot of that. It, a lot of the same puzzle pieces are there for for you to use. It's just re- really just shifting the timeline. So, I agree with that, and I think in terms of like like characters, I think we have a good idea for our Riggs and Murtog. Let's talk about the world they're in now, because I don't think we necessarily can or should start with topless lady does a couple lines of coke <laughs> and then. Uh, jumps off of a balcony i think you still especially especially because there was such a theme of suicide in this movie yes there were three suicide suicidal people in this movie Mm -hmm. her Riggs, and then the dude on top of the building yeah which 
that's a particularly high number for and even I could even potentially say there's a fourth person in the Gary Busey character in Joshua because like not afraid of pain like even welcomes the pain because like it's a purpose and serving a purpose yeah and it's especially weird that she that like the suicide because she was already like being poisoned right so it's just like from a story perspective it's just like well why don't you just like you can cover that up with like an od like yeah instead of like having it be like an active suicide like she wanted out so bad of the situation that didn't like unaware that she was already dying and had an escape plan the other thing that I vaguely remembered about this movie and then rewatching it now, I guess I remembered it from something else. She was killed because she saw something or learned something that she wasn't supposed to know, theoretically. I thought that there was going to be a clue in one of the videos, like the amateur videos that she made. Mm-hmm. And I thought that like Murtaugh was going to discover it. But no, it was just, that's my friend's kid. I'm watching being a video oh it's sad yeah i was expecting him to discover something because that's what i remembered happening it just doesn't so i'm trying to remember where that's from but i simply do not yeah but i also think that would be more interesting if he gets this video of like well here's the evidence and Uh, that's where they learn something i would imagine if this is made today and people saw story sensibilities she would live like she might almost like i was saying like the od or something like that or still be poisoned and somehow like live yeah but i think she would kind of pair up with them a little bit i think she'd be as opposed to immediately fridging her uh, yeah as opposed yeah as opposed to um yeah just being this person who is their gateway allowing her to actively be the person because yeah i mean like having her around or taking her off the board doesn't change much it honestly doesn't do much of anything other than signal to everybody hey a bad thing's going on yeah yeah her it's it's handled very weird like it's 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 Really, she's just there because they need to have some reason for this for the guy to reach out to Murtaugh. Right. And I think we can... Honestly, I don't know if I recast her at all. I did not. Um, because she's kind, of just, she's kind of just a plot device. And I feel like you can do other kinds of plot devices without necessarily, like, opening with the, the death of uh, some poor girl. Yeah. And I think it's it's actually a little bit technically more... too because then the friend the other uh, prostitute gets exploded. Yeah, it's like yeah, you can kill the other prostitute just because you need to sort of like I mean that's just clearing the board and sort of like right um, taking I... away taking away loose avenues. Ends. Yeah. yeah, loose ends and avenues to ex- to to possibly solve the case sooner. Right. And so if it's this like ring of former military people coming in to who are just like selling heroin. There's got to be other people along the way who can either be killed or somehow blackmailed. Yeah. Like, why did it have to be Hunsaker's daughter? Why did it have... Like, I get that... Because like, you got to open up with a crazy 80s party, man. <laughs> you do, and you also got to, like, open up with... So, first of all, we're setting this now, right? Because Afghanistan War, all that. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Like, you have this extra step of, it's this dude, Murtaugh knew. It's, like, this old friend of Murtaugh who had just reached out asking Murtaugh to take care of his daughter. Whoops, she's dead. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of coincidences. Yeah. And what, what's the rule for movies now? You, people believe one coincidence per movie? Something like that. Every mo- Yeah, you need to have... Somebody, the inciting incident talk- is normally a coincidence. Yeah, you have one coincidence per story. 
Someone was just talking about that recently, like in in some like an actual like movie, like a story. I, I was reading that and I'm just blanking on it, but I've heard that recently. Because yeah, any more than one coincidence is just like it doesn't show any skill on the part of the, of the characters. So here's my pitch. My pitch is we open with Murtaugh getting this note from his friend saying, "Please go protect my daughter," and Murtaugh goes and interacts with the daughter first, and is there to. Like, try and talk her out of it, try and bring her back, try to get her away from whatever this is. But she's going into a situation where she's like, no, I I'm an adult. I'm going to do whatever I want. And, I'm, and I want to go over here and interact with these bad people. But because he is this pencil pusher who doesn't take these risks and doesn't put himself in the line of fire, he doesn't follow her. And then she ends up dead. So now we have him suffering from his own insecurity of this could, I could have prevented this if I wasn't this... Person. Well, and and what's I like that because they kind of allude to that a little bit in the movie anyway. A little bit. Well, because it's they, more like they both happen at the same time. Yeah, well, it's just like um, his wife says, uh, Hudsacker's been trying to get a hold of you for a couple of days. Yeah. And so that's the guilt. The, it, it's a little implied guilt if you put the math together, like, oh, he's been thinking about it for a couple of days. But it's not, it, yeah. it works better if it's explicitly stated. That, like how you say it, that Murtaugh can have some guilt. And really, like, it, it's a better motivator for him to have any kind of connection to this girl on, um, aside from his just, it's his old army buddy. Right. And he say, and, um, like, yeah, if he has any, any sort of thing, it'll, that's a much better motivator for him to be kind of pushing himself because of his guilt. Mm-hmm. And then that's, it's a nice pairing with the death wish of Riggs. Right. If you have someone who's pushing themselves into crazier situations than they've ever been in because of their guilt, and someone who's doing the same thing because of their death wish, yeah, then it's kind of both sides of it. And you also have the guilt of, like, I already allowed one person to die. I cannot allow anyone else to die. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a strong motivator. And I'm not necessarily opposed... And frankly, I don't care if it's a daughter or a son that gets killed that he's trying to bring back, because it doesn't. the gender doesn't really matter... The, the one thing I did to kind of like the 80s were very male. Um, I made Riggs female. Okay. Which we'll talk about that when yeah, we're yeah, casting, yeah. but I thought that that might be a little bit more like old school person, young school person, diversifying it up a little bit. Yeah. Interesting. It'd be, I mean, yeah, I'm curious to see who you cast as well with that idea. But. Especially because Riggs doesn't necessarily have any love interest in this movie that is still living. So anyone could have lost someone, mm-hmm. especially if they're former military and they just got out. That That's that's funny you bring that up because that is like, that is the one thing you know if they were maybe making it now that insert in. Yeah. There would have to be a, a love interest. There would be something. But the way around it is to make one of them female. If you have right. like... Um, well, especially so, my pitch would be Riggs and Riggs's partner got out of the military and they were living this life, but the partner was like, I still feel like I need to be doing more and went and did another tour and was killed. Okay. And then, like, Riggs is like, well, if I'd gone, you have a little bit of the guilt, but it's mostly just like, this person's dead. No, I mean, I, I, yeah. But it's also like I think just survivor's guilt of what he yeah, went through. That's I think fair. that's You're right. it's, You're it's it, it You're right. that's an extra layer we don't need. Yeah, because we really don't even have an, a sense of who she really was as a person, who Riggs's wife was. And I don't think it matters. All I think all I think that matters is they loved each other, and she died. Yeah, that's all the information we need. Mm-hmm. It's another fridging, but 
what's another dead woman? <laughs> but at least that that like what's also crazy about that is like it happened three years ago. Yeah. So it, I, I like the fact that it is something that he's finally built to like. I'm done. Yeah. I. It's been three years. It's not getting any better. I'm just done. It's getting worse. And, and so something to be said about his support structure, where presumably he wasn't living in a a, a trailer when this happened, and he's just yeah. kind of spiraled out of control to living in a trailer on the beach with an awesome dog. Yeah. Uh, what's funny? I just watched. Speaking of like recasting and rebooting uh, this uh, Loaded Weapon one. National Lampoons, have you ever heard of that? No. Oh my, God. it's amazing. Okay. It's the parody of, it's it's a lot of 80s stuff, but it's a National Lampoons um, movie. Back when awesome. they were like still like doing like Christmas Vacation and that sort of level of National Lampoon. Right. And it's Emilio Estevez as the Riggs character. Oh man. Samuel Jackson as the Murtaugh. That sounds. I mean, it, it's a. It's it's hilarious. Say, it sounds great. I'm assuming it's terrible, but in a great way. It's it's no. It's 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 pretty great on its own. It's on Netflix. They just added it. Um, Interesting. Like I would. It's not cringeworthy, but it's also not like the highs of like an airplane or a naked gun. I don't know if you've ever seen the poster for this movie. Oh, but yeah. They're they're pointing the gun at the the um at the the, the dummy. But do you know what the tagline is? I forget. I, I would know it as soon as you say it, but what is it? Oh my god, they have guns! <laughs> Which is a spoof on Lethal Weapon, other movies, TV commercials, etc. Too unlike, not unlikely, too unlike LA cops <laughs> investigate a cocaine in Girl Scout Cookies case. Yeah, Tim Curry plays the bad guy. I want to watch this movie it's, really badly. It's really, really great. John Lovitz kind of plays the Leo Getz character. Kathy Ireland is like the love interest. But my favorite part is two things. One, Emilio Estevez has a purposeful, like, naked walk in the moonlight shot. Like, he calls to attention to, like, the buns shot. Yeah. Like, uh, Mel Gibson gets. But he lives in this, like, dinky trailer. But on the inside, it looks like a Malibu house. <laughs> that's amazing all right i have to watch this it's amazing no okay. highly recommend it i literally might watch that movie tonight yeah we'll see i mean i'm going out over to a friend's to watch uh i think all of the season of the good place again but maybe we'll do this instead good stuff yeah well originally we we're like we're gonna watch the finale of the good place that's in january yeah want to hang out anyway yeah okay oh, that show it's so good so good so we want this former military people coming together, we kind of have their motivation, taking down a drug ring. One what, th- other, what other information do we need? I don't think we need anything else besides that. Yeah, I don't think we need, I don't think, I don't think anything is really essential outside of those components. I mean, those kind of are the components of what Lethal Weapon is. Yeah. Unlikely cop partners, two different backgrounds come together, figure out there's a drug ring, and they're mm. like, well, we should probably, you know, stop that. I oh. mean, I'd love it if there were more times where they were like should we call and get some backup no time <laughs> more people um, need to die i pulled up the description of the lethal weapon tv show at least for Riggs, because i was oh, yeah? wondering he is a former texas cop and navy seal so green beret in the movie navy seal which i feel is this equivalent yeah i guess because i mean like that's i don't like to talk about it but there were six of us and we were a seal team yeah <laughs> No, but like I feel like the Green Berets were at the time like 
yeah. the shorthand for the elite of the military. Right. And the Navy SEALs now are that today. I think that's true, as long as you're asking someone who's in the Navy. <laughs> but, well, I'm talking about in I know pop culture. Yeah, yeah. But I also totally understand that. <laughs> Interesting wrinkle is that he lost his wife and baby. Cool, let's fridge more people. So, yeah, so he, lo- he lost a child as well. Which is like, that feels even more hard to deal with. There's lots of different versions of death motivating a character. There's the lost spouse. There's the lost child. There's the lost child and spouse. There's the lost child, which separates you from your spouse. And they go off to do their own thing. And eventually you reconcile with the spouse. 80s, a lot of people were motivated by death. People were dying. It's the 80s. Stop doing cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but that was um I don't know. It's just something that's I mean, interesting like that fe- like that feels like a hat on a hat. Yeah. No, it, it like I think the wife if the amount of in like suicide suicidal like the degree that they push his suicidal like tendencies, I feel a child would have toppled it. Yeah. I feel that's too much of a loss. Right. On top of the wife and how he handles that. Like but maybe Yeah, is losing the love of your life not enough? But maybe they feel like, oh well he went super crazy and just a wife was not enough for that. Right. So maybe they were thinking we need to add more to it because no one will believe that he'd seems, carry around a bullet. That seems silly. It does. But I'm curious if he carried around a bullet in the TV show, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say no. Yeah, I doubt it. Because that's really dark. So, okay, in our version, is Riggs carrying around a bullet now? Like, what's the version of that for our movie? Because the honest truth is, you don't, you don't need to carry around a specific bullet. You're a cop. You have a gun. It doesn't matter. But it's the, it's, it's it's the, the metaphor. So what, yeah. what, what is our current day metaphor? I don't know. I th- I think the bullet is nice. Maybe okay. not giving it to Murtaugh's daughter. I agree with at that. At the end, but the bullet it's it's a good visual and just shows like how serious he is about it. That it's not empty threat. Yeah, and that's what I think that the the yeah the power... one of the big things is do you have a plan? And if like if like, does a suicidal person have a plan? Because if they have a plan, that's like oh, okay, this person needs help. Yeah. But, I mean, they, they did that trope in, uh, uh, spoilers for Logan. Yeah. He, I mean, and that didn't feel, like, that didn't feel excessive or, what am I thinking, um, sen- sensational. Right. Like, but, but it is, I think having a symbolic thing is important for his arc. Because it's also something that he, as the audience, just the shorthand of it, when he gives it away, it's like, oh, he is done. Yeah. And I, th- and I can't think of anything else that fits that short uh, that shorthand. Yeah, what you, like there's, pills. Yeah, or, yeah. And there's there's literally nothing else that works. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like it, it, he, the character of Riggs is like the fact that he wants to blow his brains out speaks to his character too. I think so. Like that, and I think that's important. Like it is like as it's just presented without any sensitivity. I don't think it's a wrong call for his character. I think I think that it's the right choice for the character and, and his evolution. It's just there's no sensitivity to it. It's just an '80s bombastic way, and I think you can get a lot of mileage out of it if you treat it more realistically and with more care. As I'm assuming, like we're sort of imagining it would. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> Ideally, but yeah. Ideally, I. I <laughs> yeah, I think that's true because that's a big moment, mm-hmm. and I feel like yeah, I agree with you. 
And it's important. Yeah, you have to believe that he that he will do it. Yeah, and it, I mean, we the audience know because we see him put the gun in his mouth. Yeah, which had happened prior to that scene, I believe. Yeah, maybe he doesn't need to carry it. He can just like mention it or something. But like, I think it's better if like you think having it on him. Yeah, it's like because it's always one of those things of what will finally be the thing that allows me to do this, mm-hmm. and I want to be prepared when it happens. Yeah. There's a cartoon. Oh, Ted from Scrubs. Mm. Totally did that. It's like, what's going to be the thing that finally lets me jump? <laughs> and because part of me wants to go back and rewatch Scrubs. Part of me is terrified of going back and rewatching Scrubs because I've done it recently. It's not that bad. Yeah. The late because the first couple of seasons they really just had like it was just such a different show. Yeah. Bef- like. Because, yeah, that, that happens to every show. The of first course. couple of seasons, it's really intimate. And then as it goes on, it becomes more sakami, more broad, more everything. And I think Scrubs really, as it as it stretched out into yeah. broad, really lost its Certainly place. season one is different from any other season. Oh, yeah, for sure. But what I was going to say is that, like, because on the one hand, we have the Todd. And on the other hand, we have Ted. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, the way these characters are treated. Like, Ted is, like, a clinically depressed person. Yeah. And there's definitely an episode of Scrubs where he's, like... I just need that one reason. Today's the day. I just need the reason. And he literally is standing on the edge of the building, and then he doesn't get the reason. He gets knocked off the building. Yeah. And lands in a pile of garbage. I mean, it's interesting because I, like, I grew up with a joke. like, well, you know, it's not like, it's it's funny. Like, that. It, like I, no, I mean, I know like, and it's, <laughs> and you're, you're grimacing about it, but it's just, like the, the, the trope of the beaten down worker yeah. to the like boss is is a funny trope it is it's but a, but it's yeah but for a but it is but it is now sort of like there's there's a lot more sensitivity and a desire to make give every character the benefit of being three dimensional right there's also the thing of we don't have that trope of the beaten down worker anymore because as millennials that's all of us yeah but but seriously though no yeah like, yeah that's Everyone is Ted now. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Hashtag relatable. And so I don't necessarily think this conversation serves our purposes other than to say, yes, I think that these tropes are important for this character, but it's not that they exist. It's more how the rest of the world around them treats them. Mm-hmm. And I think that the reveal of this bullet needs to be such a moment to like step back and go we need to get you help of no if i get help i will die yeah because this is the this job solving this case right now is the only thing keeping me going that's why i rigs always have three four five cases to be solving because if i get through all of them then all i have are my own thoughts oh i mean he he would i would imagine if this is three years after and he has gone off the rails the way he is he is in counseling like the department hat, like right. He like I think the journey we would see in the movie would be him finally opening up in those sessions. But I'm suggesting that uh, Riggs telling Murtog about the bullet. Mm. This is the first time anyone has else has known about the bullet. Oh yeah, for sure. And for I, sure, I think that's important. Yeah, and but also I think that would it would put because Murtog is will keep him fifty. Right. Like that's an older generation. That's an yep. older time. And so you, you can still kind of have that the back and forth and like the, do I need to get involved? Da, 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 da. And even like kind of have him learn a little bit of how to operate in the new world and how yeah. to, I mean, maybe that, that could be Murtaugh's arc, like adjusting it to that and just having him 
realize how he needs to operate in this new world after coming up coming up in the I guess he's fifty, so he'd be coming up in like the nineties. Nineties, yeah. Yeah. And but and I yeah, I think it's like learning and needing to be involved. You can't just let other people take care of it because they won't. It, mm-hmm. Everyone needs to take like if you see a if you see something, it's not if you see something say something. It's if you see something do something. Yeah, I like that. That's a good arc. And then uh, just in terms of like set pieces and explosions, I yeah, we'll you, have those. Yeah, that's the fun of this movie is yeah. is the set pieces, is the action. They get progressively more insane. Mm-hmm. I never understood the logic of what did a. Uh, what did Hunsaker tell you? Nothing. Cool. Bang. Done. I don't understand why they're torturing them for information. Like, I understand, like, oh, he found out. I get it, but also, like, why are you capturing these people? Either they know or they don't. And if they know, they told their department. And you can't take out an entire police department, I assume. Mm-hmm. Unless that's the plot. Like, they're trying to, like, okay, these are the people that, like, okay, these are the people that know... If he told them anything, it went back to the police department, and the police department's new. So taking out those two guys isn't going to do anything. That's just for fun. We need to take out the entire department. Yeah. And so I think their big set piece is they're trying to figure out a way to annihilate that police department. Like, like presume, presuming no one is, like, the different departments all over town aren't talking. It's this particular... The precinct. The precinct. Thank yeah. you. They're taking out, they're taking out the 9-9. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what I think. Kind of their big, like, instead of like going after just these two dudes, I think they're gonna try to blow up the precinct. Yeah, and everyone. But in it's there. just like, do we really get that much of a sense of the rest of the precinct during this movie? Like, like no, the, that could, yeah, that that'd probably be something I would imagine would be more of a focus too. Yeah, is filling out the world a little bit more, giving them more because really, like the the supporting cast is. The, the bad guys in Murtaugh's family. Right. And so, yeah, I'd imagine they probably... Which is kind of all I cast. Yeah. <laughs> I there's I, I think I cast less than you did. So I'll just... That's when, fine. When you bring up When you bring up people, I'll, I'll offer... Um, I'll, I'll see if I can rack my brain really quick and figure out some, uh, some stuff. But yeah, so like that will give us... That, that will A, give us other people in the world. And B, give us people who will be like, No, you're just being... We support you. We be- we support you, and we believe you, but we're not going to act on it. And that's the difference of like what Murtaugh's learning of. No, no, no. This is a real thing. It's happening. We need to act. Well, and the two of them end up saving the precinct, and that's when they get like targeted by Joshua and the general. Yeah, yeah. I would imagine like it, it's just it's really interesting, kind of going like thinking about remaking this because it really just is a chance to examine how much stuff has changed Yeah, in terms of like storytelling specifically like for action because yeah like I would imagine like the the, the guy in the beginning who's talking to Murtaugh like you got a new partner that guy would have been more of a presence if it was made nowadays right like a lot of this stuff you you would get a lot more of these little kind of character beats and little kind of character moments in the precinct that would be much more of a character mm-hmm. than it was in, the, in this because it's just it's- probably something a little bit more connected than a random shootout at a at a coke party yeah 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 it's really interesting like all the which is the first scene i ever saw from this movie it's really interesting yeah like just like the set pieces would probably be a little bit different yeah and just even yeah the environment that this is all taking place in hell they might even wear seatbelts. but yeah like i think we talked around a little bit enough i think i'm ready to get into casting if you are yeah i'm ready let's talk let's start with murtaugh then okay so 
the obvious and most fun choice would be to make it Donald Glover <laughs> because they're not, he's not related to Danny Glover and uh, I find that funny. But that doesn't work. He's not nearly old enough. Yeah. So the actor I went with is Jimon Hansu. Okay. Jimon Hansu, who you will know from Captain Marvel. He was in Blood Diamond. He is... I'm not sure where he's originally from. He's... Like, it'd be interesting to kind of... I don't, I don't know if I've really seen him do comedy outside of the, the like, Guardians and the, the Marvel stuff. He's good with one lines, and I don't know if it's his acting or if it's the editing, but he always has pretty good timing. And my understanding is that, like, everyone really likes him. He's originally from Kotanu Benin in West Africa to where he moved to France. And then he graced the catwalks of Paris and London. So I guess he was a model, and then he came to the United States to act, and... His Amistad was his first, I believe. Like, that's what, at least what put him on the map. Probably. It was like his breakout. I believe you. <laughs> uh, he's been in so many things. He's been in so much. But, it's, like, I've never... I don't think I've really seen him, like, in that kind of light parental role. So that would be interesting to see. Yeah, it's... It was my thought. I think it would be just a fun person. He's definitely... He's done, like, other voiceover things as well, and mm. I'm certain he's been here long enough and he's worked in hollywood enough that he's done other things and has like a sense of humor i mean yeah. he was he's got to have a sense of humor he's the wizard in shazam that's right yeah yeah yeah. which is amazing for me and that wizard was funny yeah no I, that's a, that's a good call it's just yeah i haven't really like he's seen bosley it. and charlie's angels this new one, one of the bosleys yeah in the new one yeah hmm. all right okay well, that's I. But, someone, but I th- we're talking about just him. Tell me who you had. Well, until I realized he was a little young for the part, like my Donald Glover was uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor. Oh yeah, uh, which I think kind of has like a Jimon Houston sort of vibe to him. He does. And he he would be a good uh, Murtog. He's forty two, so he's a little, little young. young. That's that's what that's what gave me pause. But if he got married, let let's say he got married at twenty and then had a kid at twenty two, that well, but kid it, it would but, be twenty. And but also, it, no, he's but playing, he's younger. I have nothing against casting Chiwetelogia for. But it is the whole thing. The, the whole thing is it's his fiftieth birthday. It's Murtaugh's fiftieth birthday. It is. So that is sort of the whole kind of uh, crucial to the plot. But you I could went... also just lie. <laughs> True. Although he doesn't look fifty. But neither, but, but neither does uh, Jimon Hansu. Jimon Hansu is fifty five. Yeah. Well, I uh, I went with Cheadle, Don Cheadle, which it feels a little Ooh. little like a cheat it because is. he uh, basically auditioned for it in Iron Man three. Like, tell me that's not Riggs and Murtaugh, Tony Stark, and um, it uh, totally is. Uh, Rhodey. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. So it's I love. L- I, first of all, I love Iron Man three, and uh, I think I cast Don Cheadle the stalker episode i don't remember don Cheadle would also be great i'm perfectly happy to go with with, with don Cheadle. but i i, I think but she'll... i think it'll also depend on our pairing yes because so so don Cheadle, uh jimon hansu those are our two options for murtaugh i'd say so I, okay. yeah i'll put i'll put my weight behind don Cheadle. then i'm gonna let you go first for rigs i well here's where you went with gender i debated and i obviously didn't end up doing this race flipping them okay of the uh, Riggs being black and Murtaugh being white. Mm. But I didn't end up going with that because there was no real young black actor that, like, really convinced... Like, Donald Glover, I hadn't re- I hadn't thought of. 
Because um, I was also just doing random like Google searches of like lists oh, yeah. of actors. I've mentioned this before in a previous episode, but I'm glad this is a movie where I don't have to look up children because I'm positive I'm on a list at this point. <laughs> but Tell um, me about your 12 year olds, Hollywood. But like, because like Michael B. Jordan, I don't necessarily like know if he can pull off that sort of unhinged. If anything, he's two together. Yeah. He'd be a great Murtaugh in like 20 years. Yeah. But I ended up going with uh, Ayler Ta- uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Aaron Taylor Johnson. Uh, kick-ass. Yeah. Lead in the first Godzilla. Weirdly, needlessly buff. But... Yeah, I don't know why he's so buff and how that happened, but it, it did. He he was someone I think... Oh yeah, he's also Quicksilver. Yeah. That's great. And I think he's he's got the right tone of charming and unhinged. Because the other two people I thought of were uh, Robert Sheehan, who's uh, Klaus in Umbrella Academy. Oh, yeah. And he's also it. in Misfits, right. uh, the, the mm-hmm. English show. And then... He was um, great. He was so great. But him, I didn't... I, his charisma is a little different. I can imagine him being unhinged, but like the charisma... But, but not like an action star. Different kind of action Yeah, star. yeah. It's really just imagining who can, who can fit in that jacket. There's who could, who that. could fill in that. Who could fill in that Riggs jacket? Yeah. But I, yeah, I flirted with him for a second, and then um, I'm blanking on the other one. But yeah, uh, oh, Shia LaBeouf was someone <laughs> I flirted with. But he's way too yeah. crazy. He's way too on. But he he could definitely pull off that feathered mullet for sure. That is for sure true, and there's no way we're going to have that in the current movie. <laughs> what is What is the modern day equivalent of the feathered mullet? What is the hairstyle that is popular today that will never be popular again? The man bun's the obvious answer, but I think that's a little five years ago. Yeah, and I mean, and a mullet, like Superman had a mullet. You have to, like, the mullet had a much wider range than it now does today. Right. Like, formal mullets. People got married in mullets. And you'd have to really, like, man bun is a little too niche. I do not disagree. That is a good... There might not be one. Like, I don't don't think think there's a, a haircut or something that is the style of today I think other than a beard beards i think that the, the the craziness of the beards right now i think we're in a beard phase cool. beard well, let cycle. me pitch my person who definitely okay. cannot grow a beard the reason why i went with uh this actress is because it's honestly because they talk about Riggs as being this person who is almost ridiculously capable mm-hmm. like a perfect shot knowledgeable of so many different forms of martial arts and i wanted someone who is kind of who can do all of that and i also was going for someone who's kind of on their way up because like you said this is mel gibson's sort of breakout role Mm -hmm. like mel gibson this and mad max i would assume yeah but this is yeah mad max put him on the map and then this is kind of where he was like boom this is like yeah you are now leading man so this is an actress you may not have heard of. Her name is Ella Belinska. What is she in? She is in the new Charlie's Angels movie. Oh, okay. Is she the... She's the, the tall one. Okay. She's the one that is not Naomi Scott and not... So she's the audience, she's not she's the audience surrogate character. No, that's Naomi Scott. That's Naomi Scott. Naomi okay. Scott is the one who played Jasmine in the Aladdin movies. She's okay. The, she's the Pink Ranger. I love Naomi Scott. She's great. I went with Ella Belinska because I watched a couple of interviews and different people talking about this movie and they talked about how apart from everyone else in this movie, she's the one doing her own stunts. Mm. She's the one leaning out of cars, firing guns. She's the one who as a human being 
is capable of doing all of these different things. And Gibson, he was he was kind of like that, like back it's in the, the day, 80s. right? I don't yeah. think they. I think they spent their uh, stunt double money on cocaine. <laughs> but I thought, yeah, that I always thought that that was that Gibson was, yeah, he was a little bit more Tom Cruise when he was younger. Yeah. So that's a good that's a good point. And what I'm actually going to suggest is, I think a good pairing would be Ella Balinska and Don Cheadle. The reason why is because Ella Balinska's a she hasn't done as much comedy. Like the interview I saw, she was very charming. But that way Don Cheadle can like kind of pick up the comedy slack a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because if she starts stoic, like I'm just doing the job, I'm just doing the job, I'm just doing the job or I'll die. She can become more funny as the movie progresses. Whereas Don Cheadle can start funny as like, Haha, I'm diffusing the situation instead of actually going and doing the work. And I feel like that can be kind of our shift. Like, we start with our preconceived notions of who they are as people, and then they kind of shift as we move forward. So that would be my pitches to the two we would go with. Okay. I like that. Yeah. I think that's a good pairing. Cool. The next person I have is Joshua, just because it's the person who kind of has the most screen time and is the most memorable from the movie. Yeah. He's he's a much more, he's more memorable than the actual, like, yeah. bad guy. And he basically becomes the bad guy because he's last kill. Right. Yeah. And also, the bad guy just kind of gets carb blowed up yeah and isn't necessarily as threatening as this scary guy who lit his arm on fire are you talking uh jeremy renner oh no 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 oh uh oh oh, oh you're, 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 i was just like so... yeah no actually like in the movie like yes gary Busey gets yeah it was just like oh yeah i remember yeah okay so this is this is where i ended up landing on where to put donald glover okay because again it's funny damn it interesting I, that's an interesting pair that's that's an interesting casting i like that because I went, I went a little bit more traditional in mine. Please tell me. Uh, I went uh, Dave Batista. Oh, that would be good. Because he's got a charisma that's starting to come out a lot more. Yeah. Um, and people are recognizing it because I think like what's funny is I think like um, Spectre is the old way of thinking of Batista, and now like in this post Guardians, like he's got. I saw a trailer this morning. He's like, it's a, a movie he's doing where he's like. Watching a, a kid and teaches her how to be a spy. Oh yeah, yeah it was like yeah. PG thirteen, so it's right. not like a kid's kitty. Um, I like Dave Bautista. I think he should be in more things. And yeah, I don't know if I've mentioned this before either, but like my favorite Dave Bautista fact is after he got cast in Guardians of the Galaxy, like the first thing he did was sign up for acting lessons because he's like, I want to make sure I do a good job. Yeah, and I think that's super fun. I'd be perfectly happy going with Dave Bautista. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great idea. Let's do that. All right. Well, Donald Glover, like. Donald Glover feels a little bit more masterminy, like he. But it, but I don't. I don't. You see, think he should be our general? I don't. Well, that's the thing is, McAllister needs to be older. He yeah, needs to be he able does. to be a retired general, right? But it's just. But I do see Donald Glover more as a head of an organization and not like number two muscle. You don't see him being an enforcer. Not really, but I can see him capable of that Busey manic insanity. Like yeah. that's. It's really just like. The rest of it. Right. The rest of the role. I mean, I cast him for the crazy insanity, but I could, I don't disagree. He's almost too intelligent for Mm -hmm. it. But it's also like, you need to have like a, a, someone imposing. It's just like, I kind of could imagine Don Cheadle and him like. Yeah. Gary Busey was 80s imposing. Dave Bautista is now imposing. Yeah. I think, yeah. So I, I think that's the right call, which leads us to the general. Rufus Sewell. I do not know who that is. He is in a lot of stuff that as soon as you look him up, you will know exactly who I'm talking about. I He's one of those people who's just like, he has so much that you don't know what would be people's touchstone for it. 
I'm, I'm going through his IMDb, and he's, I've seen The Legend of Zorro. Uh, I don't, he's, he's the, I don't he's specifically the recognize him. Lead bad guy in The Knight's Tale. Did see that. Yeah, he's he's the the, the prince or something. Oh. Um, Fun. Yeah, he's, he's sort of gone a little in the, as his career's gone on, a little bit more into the VOD market. Right. But yeah, no, he's, he's in, um, what is it? It's either Love Actually or the... The other, uh, the vacation or the holiday. He's in one of those. Oh, I don't know. I know he's in the new Judy movie. I don't see him in any. Oh, he's in the, the, the holiday. Tourist? You know, he's in the holiday. The, the um, Cameron oh, Diaz. Uh, got it. Kate I Winslet. see what you're talking about. The he's one... the one that Kate Winslet's super in love with. And she's like wasting her life. Okay. <laughs> I didn't see it. Sorry. That's yeah, fine. But yeah, there's I think some. That's of, a good choice. There's that's something fun. about him. Like, he, he's. Yeah, he's, Cause the he's general, scary. Yeah. The general needs to be scary, but like like imposing. Yeah. Which the general that they had, the, that actor, I certainly think was. Like, I yeah. actually think that the general that they had was good. Mm-hmm. If anything, I thought he shouted too much. <laughs> 80s, man. Yeah. Mitchell Ryan was the name of the original general. I just wanted to look that up yes. because credit where credit is due. I had Michael Shannon... Because I just saw Knives Out, and Knives Out's great. <laughs> no, I, Michael Shannon, I think, is... I, I like that. I like it, too. Michael Shannon's 45, and... Say your guy's name again? Uh, Rufus Sewell. Rufus Sewell is 52. So I might lean more towards Rufus Sewell simply because he's a little bit older and a retired general. Like, if you made it to general and then also retired... If anything, I think we both may have gone too young. Possibly. But... Well, let's see if how old Mitchell Ryan was at the time. 52? He was born in uh, 34. So yeah, he would have been 52 at the time. Which is exactly... Exactly how old Rufus Sewell is. Yeah. But also at the same time, Michael Shannon has a face about him that you feel he could advance quickly. Yes. He might even... Like, you could even... He doesn't have to be retired. He might have been, like, tossed out or kicked out or whatever. Or left yeah, or something Yeah, the other like. thing I was going to say is that if we want to go with someone who's definitely a retired general who's also a little bit older and is also in Knives Out. We could also go with Christopher Plummer, but he's 90. Yeah, he's he's far, he's, he's too old. He's a little bit he's too old. old. But I will say, since you, you said he's a little shouty, Michael Shannon yeah. tops anyone in terms of shouty. That's true. That's like his thing. Yeah. But I'll, like, and Shannon, Shannon, I think I would believe Michael Shannon would have Dave Bautista under his thrall more than Rufus Sewell. I don't know. I think Rufus Sewell could definitely pull it off. And I also like the idea, I, I like casting people who it's like one of those things where I'm like, do I know who this person is a little bit more than it's like, oh yeah, it's Michael Shannon. Yeah. We know Zod can control people. Yeah, that's but true. I would like to see Rufus Sewell do it. And I think that that's more interesting. So let's do that. All right. So the only other three people I have are Hunsucker, the wife, the daughter. Um, I was wondering about, those are the, uh, the two I was wondering about. I have the wife. Okay. I have Trish Murtagh. Then let's talk about the one you have. Regina Hall. Interesting. Good choice. Uh, tell me about Regina Hall. Uh, Regina Hall. I, I, I have such a huge crush on Regina Hall. Um, <laughs> but she's um, she's in the first four scary movies. She's been in a, a lot of stuff. Most recently, she was the adult version of the girl in Little. But yeah, she's a lifer. Originally, what was funny is I was uh, I kind of had a little bit of a bad boys thing because I was toying with Martin Lawrence's Murtaugh. I like the idea, but I don't think it quite works. He's too goofy. And especially yeah. after seeing the Bad Boys for Life trailer, 
It's they're already kind of doing it, and he's going a little too goofy with it. Yeah. But I was also going to have Gabriel uh, Gabriel Union. I was thinking as Trish, but that would only be with Martin Lawrence. I think Regina Hall. There's something about it. Like she can. She's tough, but she's funny. Like she can kind of go both ways. I agree with that. I had a really hard time with her name is Trish Murtog because I really wanted to cast like all these really capable people and I kept being like, yeah, but she's kind of just a stay-at-home wife, which we obviously don't need to have. She can have her own career and mm-hmm. probably should, um, whatever that happens to be. And I kept being like, no, no, because then I would just want to make her Murtog because I, <laughs> like, I do the gender swaps all the time. The person I ended up settling on is someone who is not quite as well-known but it's someone who's like, oh, yeah, she would be interesting. And just like a cool, like, what are you kind of planting seeds for if you do Lethal Weapon 2, 3, 4, 5, whatever. And that is an actress named Kelly Who. Okay. Kelly Who, I know because she's the the one with the nails in, I just typed in Kelly New and Kelly Nugent came up. That's fine. <laughs> Good for her. Kelly Who is, I mean, she's, like, not in the most amazing movies. The thing that I know her from is because she's the one with the nails in X2. Yeah. So she's quiet and scary in her own right. And I think that's great. And she was in, like, she's in, like, Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. Yeah. She's in The Tournament and a movie called Go Back to China. That's not good. (laughs) She she kind of ended up having like a little bit of a uh, Rufus Sewell uh, trajectory. Yeah. It's gone a little bit more VOD as time has gone on. Oh, she was a recurring character in Arrow. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah, I just saw that. The other thing I wanted to do was I kind of wanted to make the family a little bit more multi-ethnic. Because it turns out that we've cast a lot of black people and like there are other, there are other minorities. <laughs> and so that's why I thought that casting her would be fun. Yeah. But it is also like, I mean, not, not to say that other ethnicities don't live there but it is like a south central like lapd sort of thing that's fair and so but at the same that's time a, it, that's a fair and safe and good argument but also at the same time it is like the like california has changed like the, the the um demographics have changed a little bit more especially in la over in like the 30 years since then it's true but it is still like a pretty like black and white kind of uh area with like torrents and because yeah I'll, I'll give you regina hall but I like I like Kelly Who. I just haven't seen like honestly I haven't she, seen she her hasn't in stuff. She hasn't done that much. Um, Which I occasionally like pulling in these people that we haven't heard of that much. But I think Regina Hall's a good one. Then then let's talk about the daughter. Let's talk about Rianne Murtog. Well, here's a question for you: Do we keep the she has the we haven't really talked about the how she has the hots for rigs? Sure, I don't see why not. Um, but it's also also just sort of. Weird too. It's super weird. Like it's it's not even a matter of like oh now it might be same sex. It's just a matter of just like it's kind of just every weird. time they had that scene where she was like giving the I'm gonna use this uh, term intentionally the doe eyes. I just kept thinking about BoJack Horseman, especially because they have a boat in their driveway, <laughs> and I was like oh no it's gonna it's a BoJack Horseman oh no. So I'm okay if we keep it. I'm okay if we get rid of it. It's super weird. Mm-hmm. I'm perfectly happy getting rid of it. I got nothing against it. Yeah. The one that made no sense to me was they kind of talk about, oh yeah, she's been dating this guy with dimples. And I think we were supposed to be implying that was Joshua. Was it? It sure seemed that way because then when they describe the guy who did all the murders, it's like, oh, 
that's the same description as the guy who, like, literally they're describing this guy who's doing these crimes into the, it's like, oh, and he's, is he over in the Senate time town? Yeah, how'd you know? That's where I live. Mm-hmm. So it sure feels like they were implying that Rianne was dating Joshua, which is another insane coincidence. And I feel like it makes sense in the script. And then as soon as they put the two people next to each other, they were like, oh yeah, no, he's definitely her father. Yeah. Also. So I think that we can certainly have this crazy guy like targeting the family eventually when like he has nothing less left to lose. I do not think she should be dating Joshua. No. She could be dating whoever it is in her own, in her own age group. Yeah. If anything, she can be da- da- uh, dating someone who turns out was a, a heroin dealer. Yeah, someone who's low level on the... Yeah. Because, the, because that's the... They sort of split the difference with it where it seems like she's a little bit of a bad girl but it's also just like her her relationship is really just all about like with murtog and it's 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 splitting the difference of like my daughter's kind of becoming a little bit of a bad egg wild child but also my daughter is becoming a woman who is independent like it's they, they don't settle on one so it sort of muddles the whole thing they walked a line that made me feel a little bit uncomfortable because like it's like oh she's whatever 16 or 17 possibly even 18 i don't know it's but it's definitely like this is the daughter Mm -hmm. and then they do scenes where they're like i'm super into to rigs hey dad look at my sexy dress yeah and then they like basically put her in her underwear for the final like runaway scene yeah and I think that they were like, well, this is the way it's scripted, but I think even they backed away a little bit, and it was more just like boy shorts and a tank top. I mean, it's really just interesting that the the most objectified group in this movie are the daughters. Yeah. And that's... The the young women. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. You know what? Because Trish Murtaugh... um, Or no, no, no. What's what's her... What's uh, the daughter's name? Rianne Murtaugh. Rianne. Because she is why Hud Sacker's daughter needs to die. Because that needs to create tension that what happened to Hadsucker is going to happen to Murtaugh. Yeah, I agree with that. I, yeah. But... I think it's unfortunate that I think the movie puts us in a situation where we have to kill a character like that. But it's also this... Like, someone will need to die. It's a cop. It's a cop It's movie. a cop yeah. movie. Like, crimes are happening. Someone is doing bad things. And I think it's more interesting if she's not suicidal is if she's like... Yeah, I'm just I, I'm yoloing, baby. Yeah, and yeah, and just to 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 tempt her with like to tempt like to to give Murtag the fear of his daughter following the the same path. Yeah. after seeing where it where leads. where it leads. Yeah, and we can and I also would think oh she's kind of dating this guy who's super charming, and then we just find out I had no idea he was doing that. I just thought he was cute. Yeah, you didn't do any like you didn't like. I thought you kids could, like, internet stalk people and find out all about them. Like, not a thing. He's not going to put on Facebook that he sells heroin, Dad. Well, I would... Like, one of those. Yeah. It... I would just say kind of focus... Just focus more on what would make it clearer, and you can utilize a lot of the stuff, is just, like, make it more about Murtaugh's struggle with his daughter becoming... Good. A, like, right. an I, independent woman. Becoming an, yeah. a woman. Yeah. Becoming an adult. And I... And struggling with, yeah. like... Oh, God, like, she's, like, like, you know, like... I, I remember know, like, when she was this tall and not a not sexualized in any way. Yeah, but that's, like... But, because, like, that's now... a real thing. And, but, and, and now there would be a lot more, like, we would want to... Prov- I would think there'd be... There would be an attempt to 
give her perspective on stuff. Yeah, of course. She wouldn't be just this cipher of father fears. Right. It would really, she, her agency would be like, dad, I can, I'm going to do this because I can do this. I'm a woman. It's 2019. Women aren't, women could do anything men could do sort of like thing. Like not like, yeah, not as another man. I agree with you. It's 2019. And I think like people wouldn't go in for the like, oh my, no way my daughter's wearing that in my house sort of thing. That, that, that sort of, lazy cliche like um shorthand isn't what doesn't work anymore and so making it be about her achieving but, but her people own still agency. sometimes feel that way and i think ignoring that people feel that way i think is a mistake and i agree with you i think it's good to be like this is an uncomfortable thing fathers sometimes have to deal with in acknowledging that either uh that any kind of child is eventually going to be an adult and make decisions that they themselves might not be comfortable with but is their decision to make yeah i mean I'm saying that as one person in Hollywood to another. <laughs> but it, it's it's also just like, I don't think people go in anymore for like the... The cliche of keep keep her locked up till she's 18. Yeah, but also like the, the, the pseudo victim blaming of it all too. That's of also ju- true. Of, yeah. of the, if you do, if, uh, it's also like, like, he calls it grass, like marijuana, like the, the, the paranoia of stuff like, oh, if you go out and party... All this terrible stuff happens to you. Yeah. And I don't think people go in for that anymore. I don't think they go in for that sort of scare tactic storytelling as mu- per se the way they would here. So, I th- yeah, just making it like if you continue down this path, it's going to be bad for you. Just be a good girl is not going to work. I so if you make it just the agency part. Cool. So who'd you cast? I got no one because I don't have these two people. All right. So the actress I have has done some Disney stuff and has done some voiceover stuff. Her name is Sky Jackson. Sky spelled S-K-A-I. She's currently 17. Okay, what has she done? She is known for... She's one of the voices in Arthur, in The Rebound, in Bunked. She's going to be... I'm trying to find things where... <laughs> she's in G.I. Joe Retaliation. She's a Roadblock's daughter. She's been kind of like a the young girl who's been cast a bunch of things. She's like library girl number one in Arthur. Okay. Uh, she's museum girl. She's destiny age three. She is in Bunked, which is, uh, I think, a Disney or a Nickelodeon show. She's in 58 episodes as Zuri Ross. Okay. Bunked is a Disney show. She was in 98 episodes of the TV show Jesse as Zuri Ross. All right. I guess Bunked is a spinoff of Jesse. <laughs> okay. Well, that, that's the thing Disney does, where it's like, oh, well, once a show gets to a certain number of seasons, people get a, a pay bump. Yeah. So Disney cancels that show and just makes a new show with all the same people. So oh, yeah. No, it. that's 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 just children's programming. It's very rare that anything, like, they just do 52, kill it. In Casey Undercover, she plays Zuri Ross. All right. So she's played the same character in three different shows. So, yeah, all the people I can think of are like zendaya but she's too old yeah that's um, why i said i'm on a list because i have to find these people <laughs> but i i'm sure she's good and she's at the right age so why not so huntsucker huntsacker huntsucker huntsucker whatever it is he's got a proxy you know who this i'm just thinking about that now have you seen the the new trailer for tenet the, yeah the nolan yeah that guy who is introducing John David Washington? Who like the guy who's like s- sort of narrating the trailer? I forget what else he's from, and I don't know his name. But just now, that's who I'm gonna. You mean Kenneth Branagh? 
No, Martin Donovan. Oh, hey, Aaron Taylor Johnson's going to be in this. Yeah, I saw that. Martin Donovan. Martin Donovan. Martin Donovan from Big Little Lies. And yeah, he's, Vice. he's he's sort of just been a career white guy yeah. like in, in movies. I mean, the guy I have is also basically a career white guy. The guy I have is John Slattery. Okay. John I love, Slattery. I love John Slattery. Is in Spotlight. I mean, he also kind of can do the uh, rye thing. He's in Ant-Man. He's in Captain America Civil War. He He plays Tony Stark's dad, for anyone who doesn't know who he is. He is... Very charming. He's 57 years old. I don't know if that matters. I mean, he, he's, he's he looks very... older than he is. Right. Because he's got, he's, 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 got he's the, rocking the, the Steve Martin. Yeah. He's a Steve Martin guy where he just went white, super, super young. I like John Slattery. That's good. I cool. like that. Then that's it for casting. The only thing that leaves us with is writer and director. <sighs> I couldn't settle on a writer. I, I, I wasn't able to really kind of lock down who I wanted, but I was kind of thinking maybe for writer for director let's get to director in a second okay writer i don't really have anyone i'll, I'll director or i'm sorry for writer i have a writer named uh tom o'connor and the reason why i picked him is because he wrote the hitman's bodyguard okay so he's kind of a writer on his way up as well and the hitman's bodyguard is a buddy cop movie between yeah. ryan reynolds and samuel L. jackson and it's great it's not a good movie, but it's a super fun movie. And it's like the, the back and forth and the repartee and like the action sequences and everything. And to the point where they're making another one. It's I think it's going to be called The Hitman's Bodyguard's Wife. Yeah. And I just thought it was fun. And he's doing other things. Let me verify that. No, but that's good. I think that's a good tone. That's Because, yeah, I'll, I can't really think of who's doing like the, those kinds of movies now to right. kind of... And because I think some of this is going to live and die with the director. And I feel like, like, hey, people on the com- uh, on the up. So Tom O'Connor. Which brings us to director. So, tell me who this person you had in mind was. Ryan Johnson. Interesting. I just thought, like, he can, he can kind of capture the tone and give it some, uh, some good action. Because I like old Ryan Johnson. Like, not to say, like, I haven't seen Knives Out yet. Here it's you amazing. Should. Here it's amazing. But, like, yeah, like, uh, Looper and Brick and, the, and those, uh, the old stuff. And I think, like... It kind of, what's fun about Lethal Weapon that you lose with each subsequent one is it feels, like, same with Terminator, it feels a lot smaller. It was 15 million and ended up gro- grossing like 120. Yeah. And so I like, I like, so, like, someone who can make it feel a little more contained, but knows how to make a big budget. Sure. I agree with all that. I think, Ryan, I love Ryan Johnson, so I, I think that's a great idea. I also think you'll like my pick of Matthew Vaughn. All right. Who did Kick-Ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a good call. And uh, Kingsman and X-Men First Class, who also can take a small story and make it big. Mm-hmm. And is also good at uh, helming franchises. He is. In a non-controversial way. Very true. Again, we both <laughs> like The Last Jedi, but nonetheless. Yeah. I, and again, I love Ryan Johnson. And I think Ryan Johnson would do a, a great job. No, but I think Matthew Vaughn's a little bit closer to it. Yeah. Um, especially with like stylized comedic action set pieces, like right. the the Kingsman, the church scene is yeah. insane. It's it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> but yeah, and also no. I've kind of been leading to this the whole time because you were pitching Kick Ass. I'm like, you know who we could. <laughs> so yeah, so Matthew Vaughn then. All right, yeah, yeah cool. I'm down for that. All right, we got a movie. You ready to hear our cast list? Yes. Lethal Weapon. 
Murtaugh will be played by Don Cheadle. Riggs by Ella Belinska. Joshua is going to be Dave Batista, who will answer to the general, Rufus Sewell. Michael Hunsucker will be John Slattery. Trish Murtaugh will be Regina Hall. Rianne Murtaugh will be Sky Jackson. All this will be written by Tom O'Connor and then directed by Matthew Vaughn. And that is Lethal Weapon. Are you going to go see this movie? Yeah. That cool. sounds good. Great. I'm I mean, it'll be, it'll be a couple of years because, I mean... We've had four lethal weapons and then three seasons of TV. But it's time to when take it comes it back. in, when it comes in, yeah, it's happening. Well, it, I mean, by the, put it back on the big start, screen. Start filming now. Go into pre-production now. It won't come out for a couple of years because we got to film it and edit it. Well, it's been twenty-one years since we've seen these characters on the big screen. Exactly. So, which here's the question though, because Mel Gibson and, and uh, Danny Glover are so connected to the point that it, the, the lethal weapon show felt a little weird. Would you want to see them cameo? No. No. Because while I'd love to see a cameo uh, from Danny Glover, I do not want to see a cameo from uh, Mel Gibson. <sighs> Mel, like that's the real tragedy of Mel Gibson is that people won't understand just how good he was until he went super, super bad. Yeah, like it's just like there, like even now he's he's got this charisma to him that like you can forgive yourself two hours of forgetting. Yeah. His horribleness. And it's just like, like he, we weren't, there are people that are just like, why'd you let them get away with stuff? Why'd you, why'd you, why, like, why did these people, but like Mel Gibson, he, he, he was giving us something good. Yeah. And it's just, it's such a bummer that he is such a horrendous man. <laughs> yeah. That's unfortunately the problem. Yeah. It's like, why couldn't he, be, why couldn't it have been like a Tom Cruise thing where he's just crazy, but he's not bad. Yeah. Like that's what that's what really sucks about Mel Gibson is you really were kind of hoping, but and it's just like but hey Jodie Foster's still vouching for him, and I don't know what he did to her to I make mean, her. I mean, Ellen Generous is vouching for some people too. People vouch for things. People vouch for their friends because that's what you do with your friends. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, the way you are with your friends isn't necessarily the way you are with everyone else. And I, everyone forgives actions in their friends that they wouldn't forgive in other human beings. Yeah, and it's also like it's just also like Mel Gibson looks kind of broke too. It seems. Yeah. Like, he, he's sort of, like, cracked. Yeah. Uh, like, people refer to cancel culture. Well, Mel Gibson's canceled. Say love you. Because he even got a couple second chances and we're like, no, 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 no. Well, he, he got, he, he, he's pre-canceled canceled culture, too. He is. He, he, he's... But then he came back and we're like, no, go away. Yeah, he, he almost got to get through the cycle before Me Too and all this, all the cancel That's culture true. stuff happened. Because he, he wasn't Me Too. He was just anti-Semitic. Yeah, horrendously anti-Semitic. Well, he, he was sexist, but it was mostly the focus on the... Uh... I mean, you're going to get cast in what women want. That's going to happen. Yeah. But anyway, Trevor, now's the time. You should uh, promote some things that you're working after. As the perfect follow-up for that, what's a palate cleanser? What's something completely unrelated to anything else that's super nerdy that you like? One thing that's crazy right now, because I've gotten the best in both worlds on it, is Watchmen. That's something nerdy. Oh, yeah? The Watchmen show was amazing, and then they were doing a Watchmen totally separate comic book that ended the complete opposite, like, awful. Oh. Doomsday Clock. It was horrendous. It reads like fan fiction. Oh, no. Well, I mean, it and is, and it's And it's Jeff Johns, who's, like, one of the like most prolific writers at DC Comics, and it's just lands with a thud. Oh, It no. also took two years to finish because it kept getting delayed. Yeah. And it came it started November twenty seventeen 
and ended this past week, like four days after the finale of Watchmen. That's wild. And the Watchmen show was so good. And is um, it a complete story, the Watchmen yes. show, or are they going to be doing a second season? If they are doing a second season, it'll be anthology-based. Like, Lindelof has said, like, if they're doing a story, it'll probably be without me because I set out to tell this story, and I have no plans of... Like, I have no story beyond this. Wow. Lost people are being really good about finishing stories this year. (laughs) Well, you know what's funny? It's really... Now that Watchmen's out, and now that Star Wars is out, really kind of see that maybe it was... The J.J. Abrams side of things that tanked Lost and not <laughs> Lindelof. Maybe Lindelof's why it wasn't a horrendous mess, just a cheap finale. Hard to say. Because like the know. leftovers, like H- Lindelof's work on HBO has just been phenomenal. Like, so good. But yeah, it just kind of makes a question. Like, maybe, and, and maybe. now with now with Star Wars, just like, maybe, maybe it was J.J. Abrams that was the... Maybe we should have just given the whole trilogy to Ryan Johnson. <laughs> His trilogy that's coming out, I'm sure, is going to be really good when that eventually happens, if that eventually happens. But we were talking about your things. Uh, I'm um, not working on anything right now. I got, can, I got, can, face, face, not Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. What do you want people to follow? I am on social media as Trevor Copter at Trevor Copter. So wherever you perform your social media, you'll be like able to a find raffle copter, but made out of Trevor's. Yep. Exactly. Got it. Uh, it's an old bit from college where oh, I yeah? was the supposed eye in the sky for my friend's uh, campus radio show. Awesome. But the one time we did the bit was the only time I ever reported on the actual like traffic, quote unquote. Every other time it was I took the heli- the helicopter for joy rides was the bit. Awesome. Um, <laughs> it's a good bit. Yeah, and so it stuck. But yeah, I'm not working on anything right now. It's it's kind of I mean I'm working on other people's stuff. That's fun. But actually, I'll, I'll give a plug to the two uh, theater companies that I'm a part of and the place I'm doing improv. The, those will be my plugs. 66 Theater Company, they're out of the Lee Strasberg Institute in Los Angeles, uh, kind of in the West, uh, West Hollywood area. They're doing really amazing stuff. We just finished the West Coast premiere of this play, For the Loyal, by Lee Blessing. What's cool about 66 is a sort of uh, director, the, the creative director of it, Paul, he, his whole thing is just like telling stories for people whose stories aren't normally told. Sort of uh, this last play was about this couple whose marriage is very, very tested when they find out that the husband who works for this uh, college football program, his immediate boss is a child molester. Ah. And so it's this stream of conscious, crazy, like reality floating in and out uh, play where it's just the uh, wife coming to terms with learning this information and her reaction to it. And so, yeah, 66, they, they like to do plays like plays like that. Give voices to people who don't normally give voices. And then I, um, serving as a production manager for this other group, uh, Two Cent. And we have a play festival that'll be at the end of March um, at the uh, Broadwater. Where's the Broadwater? Broadwater is on, uh, if you're in Los Angeles, it's at Vine and Santa Monica. More or less. Oh. Yeah, so it's 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 a couple blocks down from uh, Theater Row. Like if you're, if you're involved in the Pack Theater or, or if you're involved in the Complex, it's just a couple blocks down from there. But that we have a bunch of other plays that we're going to be doing over the course of the year. But that Ink Fest is three days of nothing but female, either female, actual female, or written directed. Written. It's 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 an all female or female identifying. That was the, how I want to describe it. Playwrights. 
So the directors and the cast won't be entirely female, but all of the playwrights, all the storytellers are female. That's wonderful. Uh, That's a great idea. And so it's there will be four full-length plays premiered over the course of that, and the rest is going to be a series of like one acts, like half hour at most plays. And so it's it's going to be it's going to be a really good time. There's a bar next door. It's it's a it's a really good time, and this is the eighth time they're doing it. Really, over the past, uh, I worked with them on the one last year. And this this one's gonna be really exciting. Um, and so yeah, um, Two Cent Theater Company. You can find them uh, on Instagram. Two the number two uh, cents. And uh, make sure to look out for that if you're in LA and if you want to uh, find some theater, that's where you'll be able to find it. Good. Okay. Cool. I didn't know you did theater. That's amazing. Yeah, I did. I worked at the Dearly Departed Sam French for a couple uh... of years, and so I've been doing improv. Like I said, I wanted to uh, plug Vanette Improv Studios. If you want cool theatrical improv, like they do improvised plays. And so after some, uh, a lot of time of doing improv, I finally got like into theater properly and I've been uh, stage managing for a little while now. It's, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of... Eventually I should see if Paul Hungerford wants to be a guest on this podcast. I think Paul would love this. Probably. We probably have a mus- uh, mutual friend in Jessica Verdi. She's been a previous guest. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Jessica, what, what did you guys talk about in that one? We talked about The NeverEnding Story. Mm, good one. Good yeah. call. Yeah, there's a, like... What's funny is... I, I've been learning how much of a theater town L.A. is. Cause That's you, cool to know. You don't... It's... The problem with L.A. theater is not that it's not around. It's that it's not centralized the way Broadway is. Ah, okay. You have to hunt for stuff. But there is a ton, a ton of great stuff. Echo Theater Company uh, in Atwater Village. Ge- uh, the Geffen in Westwood by UCLA. Theater Row on Santa Monica in, in Hollywood. There's also the, the Pasadena Playhouse, uh, Center Theater Group in downtown L.A. So much great theater happening in this town. People are hungry for it, but it is spread out. You have to really hunt for it. You have to really find it. But there's there's a lot of good, cool stuff happening out there. So, yeah, really, I would recommend – that would be my biggest plug is just do go yourself see, a favor. Go and check Go see some theater in L.A. If you're, if you're around or if you're not, like – if you're in a big enough town, there's got to be uh, a small. And uh, even if you're not, there's got to be something in every town. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, there's got to be some little local theater rep company. Yeah. They're doing something. They probably just wrapped up their Christmas Carol story or Everyone some sort of Everyone needs a creative outlet, so it's got to be somewhere. Well, good. And then also Trevor Copter. Trevor Copter on all social medias. If you want to follow me on social media, I'm at Sam Gash on Twitter, S-A-M-G-A-S-C-H. If you'd like to follow the podcast, it is at Ideal Remake on Twitter and Instagram. Or join us on Facebook at Ideal Remake or Ideal Remake Podcast. If you've got the time this week, uh, since we're not going to be... This is actually the last episode proper of Season 3. Season, not season three, of season two before we do season three uh, in late January. Woohoo, we did it! Yeah! Oh, this is the finale? This is the finale. Why didn't you lead with that? Shane uh, Black we... misses uh, <laughs> the finale every time. And then we're going to be coming back at the end of January with the movie Pet Shop, which is a movie about aliens that land and sell these kids crazy alien pets, but also try to kidnap these kids and take them into space. It is is wild and austin badgett is my guest for that episode if you're excited about that you can subscribe to ideal remake now and when we come back for season three we'll just go right into your podcasting feed and if you've got the time in this hiatus and you're just missing ideal remake express that longing and that 
and that heartache for us by going on Apple Podcasts and giving us five stars and maybe leaving a nice review because that would be incredibly helpful. It actually is. Like as 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 someone a, a former podcaster, I was uh, podcasting for a while, and I will say like it is. It's helpful. It really, really is. And if you do want to support a podcast, leaving a review is very, very um, the best way to do it. Like Great. more, more than a Twitter shout out, more than more than that, getting a review up on iTunes just it'll it'll draw more attention to the podcast. So wonderful. Yeah. Great. Okay. Good. Thank you. Then yeah. Then I will end with this. What is your favorite quote from Lethal Weapon? Come on. I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> nice. <laughs>